This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. My name is Dustin Smith. I am your host. And this is episode number four, The Human Jesus Anticipated in the Old Testament, part three. In our previous two episodes, we began looking at the Old Testament, at the Hebrew Bible, to look at the job description of the Messiah that set about the expectation for those within the first century, and thereby we can actually look at the New Testament and we can see, does Jesus fulfill this expectation? Particularly, we've been looking at the fact that the expectation of the Messiah spelled out in multiple places in a variety of passages within the Hebrew Bible was that the Messiah was to be a human being, a descendant of David from the line of Judah. He was to be an Israelite. He was to be a prophet similar to Moses and and a variety of other things, but mainly that he was supposed to be a bona fide, genuine member of the human race. The Messiah was not foretold to be an angelic figure, and certainly the Messiah was not foretold to be Yahweh himself, the God of Israel. On the contrary, he's always depicted as someone who is distinct from Yahweh, distinct from God. So we're going to continue to look, and actually we're going to wrap up uh, today looking at the passages which talk about the Messiah and the expectation that's given within the Old Testament, primarily that he is a human figure. Now remember, biblical Unitarians insist that the scriptures teach that Jesus was a human being and that he did not literally pre-exist his birth. As we've seen throughout all of these passages in the Old Testament, this is about someone who is going to be born. It is about someone who is not yet existing. It is about someone that is planned and within God's purposes, but he does not yet exist in a real tangible way. He is someone that is foretold to be born. Remember, at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, our job here is to just start a conversation, to get you talking with your friends, to get you talking with your Sunday school teacher, to get you talking with your next-door neighbor about the things of God and the things of Jesus. We are here to promote the oneness and the unity of God, namely that uh, Yahweh our God is one person, and we're here to promote unapologetically that Jesus is a human being. So with that out of the way, let's continue to look at our passages. We had left off looking through the book of Psalms, and we're going to move on to Psalm 132, and we're going to look at verse 11, which is another passage which talks about uh, the Davidic Messiah, the Messiah that is supposed to descend from the line of David and his dynasty of kings. Psalm 132, 11 says this, Yahweh has sworn to David a truth, from which he will not turn back. Quote, of the fruit of your body, I will set upon your throne. So here we see Yahweh has sworn, he has made this promise to David. It's, it's drawn out of the covenant that we saw in 2 Samuel 7, uh, 12 through 14. And this truth, he's not going to turn back. And the promise is that of the fruit of David's body, Yahweh is going to set upon his throne, upon upon David's throne. And it's a figure that's going to be of, a, of the descendants of David's body. He's going to be 
coming from David's line. He's going to be a lineal human descendant from King David. And yet we've seen, you know, a half dozen passages that say the same thing. So this passage is only reaffirming what we were already able to clearly see in 2 Samuel 7, verse 12. Moving along from there, we're going to move to the prophet Jeremiah, looking in chapter 30, where this Davidic kingship theme and the Messiah being likened unto David and David's descendant is uh, exhibited. So here in Jeremiah chapter 30, we're going to look in verses 8 through 9, starting in verse 8. It shall come about on that day, declares Yahweh of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off their neck and will tear off their bonds, and strangers will no longer make them their slaves. But they will serve Yahweh their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. And so there specifically in verses 8 through 9, there is a coming day declared by Yahweh of hosts where he's going to remove the, the bonds of slavery and hardship from Israel. And these people will serve, they're going to worship two figures. They're going to worship Yahweh their God and David their king. So a couple things we could see here. First of all, we see that uh, the kingly figure is someone who is likened unto David. Remember, David is someone who has already died. By the time that Jeremiah is writing, David has been dead for hundreds of years. But they're already looking at this messianic figure, and they're calling him as if he was David himself. And this is David, whom Yahweh is going to raise up for them. Secondly, we can actually see that the service and worship that is acceptable within uh, the Bible, within that culture, and should be acceptable today within Christian worship, is that Yahweh is, of course, able to be worshipped and worthy of worship, but also uh, the Davidic king, the Messiah, is also worthy of worship. And both of them can be the object of this verb serve or worship. It can be translated in a variety of ways. What's interesting here is that the Jewish Targum Jonathan understood this reference to David their king, and it gave the comment, actually in the Aramaic Targum, and it said that it was the Messiah, the son of David, their king. So we can demonstrate there that uh, Jewish exegesis understood, rightly in my opinion, that the reference in Jeremiah 30 verse 9 to David their king was not specifically to David himself, but it was to the Messiah, the son of David, who is going to be their king. But the important thing to draw from this is that uh, the messianic figure was to be someone who was a descendant of David. He's going to come from that Davidic line, and thereby he's going to be a human figure just like David was. And so that's important. Moving along to Ezekiel. We've got a couple of uh, powerful passages in Ezekiel. We're going to start in, in chapter 34. I'll look at two verses. Verses 23 through 24. This is Ezekiel 34, verses 23 through 24. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, Yahweh, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, Yahweh, have spoken. That's verses 23 through 24. And again, we see this same theme to where there's going to be a time when Yahweh is going to place over Israel a shepherd figure. 
and he's called here David, the servant David. But of course, it's 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 David, meaning the Davidic Messiah. It's it's almost as if it's another David figure. And this again is just drawing on the theology that was spelt out in Second Samuel seven, uh, twelve through fourteen where this Davidic figure is going to be someone who comes from David's line. He's going to come forth from David. God is going to be his father, and this figure is going to be God's son, the son of God, uh, the king of Israel. But later, Ezekiel continues this theme. This is moving on into chapter 37. Ezekiel 37, verses 24 through 25, where Yahweh says this, I quote, My servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd, and they will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them. They will live on the land that I gave to Jacob, my servant, in which your fathers lived. And they will live on it, they and their sons and their sons' sons, forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. Again, we have this Davidic Messiah figure functioning as the king and the prince and the shepherd who is going to rule over Israel slash Jacob. But again, this is not actually David. It's, it's the Davidic Messiah. And of course, the, uh, the Babylonian Talmud, which uh, carries with it the testimony of the uh, Jewish rabbis, they actually understood this particular passage in reference to its understanding, and they called this Davidic figure, quote, the second David, end quote. That's recorded by the Jews in the Babylonian Talmud. So, of course, they didn't understand this literally as David himself, but as the second David, the, the son of David, the Davidic Messiah. Notice carefully in all of these passages where it's Yahweh and David that this Davidic figure, this Davidic Messiah figure, is someone who is distinct from Yahweh. He is not Yahweh. Yahweh speaks about someone other than himself. And then when it's described that they're going to honor Yahweh and this king, it's two distinct persons. The Davidic Messiah is someone who is not Yahweh. He's someone who is distinct from Yahweh. That is very clear, and that should not be confused. It would be very strange for Jews reading their Hebrew Bible, what Christians today call the Old Testament, for there to be an understanding that the Davidic Messiah, the promised Messiah from the Old Testament is the same person as Yahweh. That'd be very strange. He's always described as someone who is distinct from Yahweh. They are two separate persons. Still within the prophets, we're moving actually here to the minor prophets, we're going to look at Amos, Amos 9-11, where there's another foretelling of the restoration of the Davidic dynasty. Amos 9-11 says this, In that day I will raise up the fallen booth of David and wall up its breaches. And I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. So Amos here is speaking on the fact that the Davidic dynasty has come to a halt. We can see that because uh, once the Israelites were taken into Babylonian captivity in 587 BCE, uh, they didn't have a Davidic king. And after they came back into the land um, in the 530s, uh, they were ruled by the Persians and ultimately the Greeks and then the uh, Seleucids and Ptolemies, and, and ultimately down uh, with the Hasmoneans, and then with the Romans. And they didn't actually have a Davidic king ruling over them, uh, you know, for, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. In fact, uh, ever since uh, the Babylonian captivity in 587 BCE, 
there never actually has been a Davidic king ruling over Israel. It's been 2,500 years. And so the prediction here from Amos is that Yahweh will raise up this fallen booth of David, this fallen hut, this, this, this house figure, this dynasty sort of theology. Now this was understood, again, by the Jewish rabbis recorded in the Talmud in reference to, quote, a single messianic figure. They understood this passage as Yahweh predicting that by raising up the house, the booth, the dynasty of David, that there would be the uh, bringing back and uh, the establishment of a single messianic figure coming from David's line, descending from David's own dynasty, being of David's own sons, meaning he's going to be a human figure like David. We can also see that uh, Amos 9-11 was speculated on uh, within Qumran, and it was uh, connected, by the way, uh, to Numbers 24-17. So that's about all that the Hebrew Bible has to say about uh, the Davidic Messiah, the human figure that was to come from the line of David. We need to look at one further passage before we uh, end our discussion on the Messianic expectation from the Old Testament, and that is the Son of Man figure the enigmatic son of man figure from Daniel chapter 7. There's a whole lot that could be said about this, about Daniel 7 in particular, and uh, there's a lot that could be said about what uh, Daniel 7.13, the passage we're going to look at, originally meant when it was written and how it was interpreted in the first century and maybe how some people had reinterpreted it, how Jesus understood it as his own self-understanding. And there's a lot of uh, different categories, and often they all get kind of lumped together as if what... Uh, the passage originally meant is the same thing that it was meant in the first century. But we can uh, draw uh, some conclusions from it, I think, with some certainty. So in Daniel chapter 7, uh, there is a vision that is given uh, to Daniel. It's actually uh, the passage is spoken of uh, from a third person uh, perspective. And then it ultimately goes and it says, this is what Daniel saw. And then uh, Daniel starts uh, speaking. But there's this vision of uh, four terrible beasts that come up uh, from the water, from the uh, chaotic waters. And then uh, from the other end of the spectrum, there's a human figure that descends from heaven, uh, describing that the uh, chaotic waters demonstrate the identification of the evil of these four terrible beasts, which are later described as four nations. And of course, the side of God identification with the Son of Man as it um, comes from heaven heaven there being an identification in the same way that the uh, waters are an identification. But Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13 says this, I kept looking in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. That's Daniel seven thirteen. A couple things we want to look at with this. Uh, first of all, we see that this figure uh, in Aramaic, uh, is a human a human being. He is the, the son of man, uh, the Bar Enosh in Aramaic. But he's also someone who is distinct from the Ancient of Days. This son of man figure is not the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days is God. The Ancient of Days is Yahweh. This is someone who is distinct from the Ancient of Days, being the son of man. And, of course, the son of man comes and was presented before the Ancient of Days. But the Son of Man figure is very clear. It is a human being. It is a human figure. That is what Bar Enosh means in Aramaic. You literally could translate it uh, a human being or a human figure. 
And this is how it was understood. Uh, we could actually see this in the first century. We could also see this in the early second century. A uh, very famous rabbi, Rabbi Akiba, he looked at this passage in Daniel 7, and he saw that there was a reference to thrones in the plural in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. And Rabbi Akiba said, quote, These thrones are for one for him, referring to God, and one for David. So he uh, understood these thrones in that there would be uh, two persons uh, described in this prophecy, uh, one being God and one being David. Now by David he meant, understandably, the son of David, the messianic David, uh, uh, the Davidic Messiah. And of course he had a specific human figure in mind when he was doing this. And of course uh, we know from history, from Jewish history, in the early second century, that Rabbi Akiba sponsored a human messianic figure, a guy by the name of Simeon Bar Kosiba, which was later understood as Bar Kokhba. That was his uh, title uh, drawing, by the way, that phrase Bar Kokhba is Aramaic for son of the star, drawing from the messianic passage of Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17, which we had referenced in a previous episode. So what we can see here is that Daniel 7.13 speaks of a human figure, it was interpreted as a human figure, specifically as someone who was of the line of David. It was referenced to an actual human being that we know from history, Simeon Bar Kosiba. And of course, we know from the first century that Jesus would use this title, Son of Man, in reference to himself. And it was adopted as a messianic understanding by that point. So with that being said, that's going to conclude our evidence from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Bible wherein we have seen in dozens of passages from a variety of places that the coming Messiah would be a human being. He would come from the line of Judah. He would come from Israel. He would be a descendant of David. He would be a king. He would be someone who was distinct from Yahweh and mainly was that he would be a human figure. That is extremely important. So when we get to the New Testament, we start looking at the New Testament, how it uh, demonstrates Jesus as the fulfillment of these messianic expectations, we're going to see that it describes Jesus in the same way, that he is a human figure fulfilling all of these requirements. And that's going to be it for today's episode on the Biblical Unitarian podcast. Be sure to check us out online at biblicalunitarian.com and youtube.com slash Biblical Unitarian. Thank you so much for listening to us. Again, my name is Dustin Smith, and until next time, take care.